So I think it is the scarcity, especially right now. That answer could change depending on different contexts. But I feel like for most people right now with inflation so high, the scarcity of Bitcoin really shines. Welcome to episode eight of the Block Reward podcast. Our guest today is Josh Friedemann. Josh has his own Bitcoin podcast, Business Bitcoinization. It's a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and employers understand all the different ways incorporating Bitcoin into your business can provide new opportunities for new customers, new revenue streams, new ways of managing your uh, operating cash flow, and uh, of course, new ways of attracting and retaining staff. This last one is super important to me. Our motto at Block Rewards is earn better money. And everybody at a different time in their life has said, I need to earn better money. And what almost everybody means when they say this is that they need to earn more money. And the reason we all need to earn better money or earn more money is because money is depreciating in value constantly by design. And depreciating money sort of creates this unsolvable problem, both for employers and employees. When the money is programmed to become less valuable in the future, staff always need to make more of it and employers always need to pay out more of it. And so I think that as this problem accelerates, as the debasement of currencies is a problem that uh, becomes more and more front of mind for people struggling to figure out how to make ends meet and and plan for their futures. This concept of earn better money is going to be something that creates a real game-changing opportunity for employers that are willing to do some homework and figure out exactly what this might mean for them. And so, you know, our time is finite and we trade our time at work for money. And if you had the opportunity to trade your time for a money that was going to become less valuable or a money that was programmed to retain or gain value over time. If you had the tools and the know-how and your employer was willing to guide you through that process, I think most people, given the choice, would choose the latter. And so this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to help employers understand what this opportunity is. And with Block Rewards, we're trying to help them do it. And so uh, Josh and I talk a lot about this and uh, some of his other ideas around Bitcoin and business and his his own journey of understanding Bitcoin. And so I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And we're at episode eight. And I just wanted to take a quick second to thank everybody who has been tuning in and providing us all kinds of great feedback. I'm really flattered. There's been lots of people reaching out to tell me they're they're listening every week. And uh, that's just really cool. Obviously, I'm, I'm super passionate about the topic. You set out to do this stuff and, and we had our hiccups, you know, famously for anyone who listened to episode six and I completely blew it with a microphone. We're learning as we go. And uh, any feedback you have, please feel free, shoot it out. You can email me at scott at blockrewards.ca. Send me a DM on Twitter, which is uh, my Twitter handle is Lantern Bitcoin, or uh, catch me on LinkedIn. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Block Reward Podcast. Our guest today is Josh Friedemann. Josh is responsible for a, a podcast of its own and a business called uh, Business Bitcoinization. And so we're going to talk a lot about today around building Bitcoin into businesses and the work that Josh is doing, helping businesses understand this uh, this innovative technology and what it means. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here. So you are kind of like me, uh, a newer newer Bitcoiner. I believe you were the class of 21. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm a latecomer. But you know, at this point in time, it feels like we're not latecomers anymore we we've been through quite a bit in the last couple of years yeah it's been a, a punishing we we're the tail end of the longest um uh, price sort of bear cycle in the history of bitcoin and for anyone who yep. has been living through their first 
Bitcoin bear cycle. It, yeah, it's been uh, excruciating. Light at the end of the tunnel. We are starting to see some really exciting news. So it's it, there is some fun parts for Bitcoin, and I think that uh, yeah, it's it's good to keep that uh, hold strong to that opinion when uh, when the light is uh, what is it the the night is darkest just before the dawn. There you go. <laughs> so how did you find Bitcoin? Like, what was your process for getting involved? Yeah, great question. So for me, it was Robert Bree loves what is money show the Sailor series. Someone shared that and I took a listen to it and I don't know what by what episode I was all in, but I basically be- went from someone who was not at all interested in crypto and in retrospect, I think for good reason, but basically going all in on Bitcoin. I used to talk about uh, Bitcoin back in the day. I would, I would talk about the Bitcoin bros. And in retrospect, I was talking about uh, what I would consider today like crypto bros, people who are in it for you know, the quick gains going for the moon. And I, th- I think we think that Bitcoin is going to the moon uh, at some point. But like people who just want to get into whatever their weird coin is, make a lot of money and become multi multimillionaires. That's all I that's what I thought of when I thought of Bitcoin. And I think that crypto is much more that way. I started listening to someone like Robert Breedlove, someone like Michael Saylor, and realizing that Bitcoin is truly in a class of its own and is something that could be really great for society. And so that's kind of how I came to it. Previously, I loved investing. I love finance, would listen to a significant amount of podcasts connected to business, business growth, investing. I, lo- I love that whole world. And I guess 2021, I really transitioned significantly, not entirely, but significantly away from that and focused a whole lot more on Bitcoin. The orange pill. It's uh, It happened to me too. Once you, once this idea gets seated in your mind, it kind of becomes difficult to think about anything else. And uh, even to the point where family members and friends stop wanting to invite you to stuff. It's great. Um, <laughs> I've, I was uh, on the last episode with Taylor Sugar. We were talking about Michael Saylor. I'm a, I'm a proud Saylor bro. Um, but I haven't had a chance yet to mention Robert Breedlove and, uh, Breedlove has a really great podcast called what is money. And he himself will advertise this sailor series that Josh mentioned. So if you're looking for a really deep dive on where to get started and podcasts are your thing, I, I am proud to, uh, sort of promote Robert's, uh, work on that series with Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor is one of the brightest minds in Bitcoin and Robert is a really great podcast host and very sort of a thought-provoking interviewer. So uh, check that out. You mentioned crypto, and I, I wanted to ask you about that too. I have my own story of uh, shitcoining, call it what it is. And it, it is a lot for people to sort of understand the difference between Bitcoin and everything else. And it, it's probably the most important part of journeying in Bitcoin right now as, as sort of sifting through all the noise and landing on why this one thing kind of looks a lot like other things is actually totally different than those other things. I've started this thing in the podcast now where I, I ask everybody at the start of the show kind of the reverse Breedlove question you mentioned. So Robert Breedlove at the start, his show is called What is Money? And he asks everyone the question, what is money? And that's already his. It's claimed. I'm asking people, what is Bitcoin? Josh, what is Bitcoin? It's a big question. So what I would say, and I would say there are many ways to answer this, especially for people who are starting out. If I were talking to someone today who was open to Bitcoin, but not already a Bitcoiner, I would talk about it as being a scarce form of 
money that will preserve your purchasing power over time. That is credibly decentralized and incredibly secure and probably see what of that makes the most sense to people and kind of delve into that a little bit more. But I think that that's, that kind of captures the essence of it for a lot of people that it's, there's people aren't going to be able to make more of it. It's decentralized and it's secure. And I think if people realize those things, they'll realize that compared to fiat currencies, that Bitcoin really is a a different animal. It feels like we're kind of on the cusp of a lot of, of, of a much wider appreciation for how important it is to have access to a money that nobody can create any more of. And it's like, it doesn't matter what country you live in, everyone everywhere is really starting to experience prices going up at a rate that is way faster than, you know, wages are going up or business revenues are going up. You're talking in your, in your work and uh, specifically to entrepreneurs and business owners. What are of those points do you find usually uh, captures the attention of, of uh, that community specifically? Of the points that I mentioned just a moment ago? This is yeah, I think right now, and just for a little bit of, of context, I think I was sharing this with you before we started recording, but I've recently begun to more actively reach out, not just through my podcast, and that's a separate thing, but and who knows you know, who, who hears the podcast, but reaching out to people that either I'm building relationships with who are business owners or people that my organizations have connections to and started reaching out to them, especially as we're heading into this era where Institutions are about to start buying Bitcoin a whole lot more. BlackRock, Fidelity, like these institutions are going to make it possible for people to uh, buy, quote unquote, Bitcoin through an ETF or something like that. We're also coming to the halving where I don't know if you've talked about this much in the podcast so far, but all of a sudden the available supply that's being made every single day is going to be cut in half in March or April. So I, I really want institutions to be taking it more seriously and just saying, hey, this is these are my thoughts on Bitcoin. This is why I think you should take it seriously. I'm here as a resource for you if you want to have that conversation. Uh, but I think the thing, as I've been having those conversations, the thing that stands out to people most is the scarcity. And um, it, it's, it's partially because we've been experiencing a lot of inflation. It seems like it's one of the most relevant counterpoints to the US dollar. But at the same time, it was funny because one of the last conversations I had with someone, he said in, in the conversation, he was like, so basically, we need to be buying this before March or April, before uh, the halving. And he was, he was really starting to think, like pe- people begin to realize when there's actually a scarce resource out there, th- their, their brains start thinking, they're like, what do I need to be doing to make sure that I get some of this? Or, or what's, what is the best way and, and, and how quickly, how do I need to be thinking about this in a strategic way? So I think it is the scarcity, especially right now. That answer could change depending on different contexts. But I feel like for most people right now with inflation so high, the scarcity of Bitcoin really shines. Yeah. And I think I think it's 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 a really abstract thing for people to think about scarcity around something that you can't hold in your hand. So how is it possible for some kind of like numbers on a page to be scarce? For me, scarcity and the sort of investment thesis around the scarcity principle has already been proven a hundredfold over the last three years. I just look at what happened with toilet paper, which isn't even a scarce thing. And I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know I was like where you lived, but where I lived, there were weeks where you could not find toilet paper on a store shelf. 
And it wasn't, it hadn't even entered into a place where there was a genuine lack of it to, to being produced. So Josh mentioned ETFs, and this isn't something that we have really talked a lot about yet on the show. And, and in Canada, so an ETF is an exchange traded fund, and this is a, a manager less way to invest in a commodity. And we have these already in Canada. And so ETFs in Canada maybe aren't as big of a news. Canada often is a testing ground for financial products. We give them a whirl up here and then see how they go. And then they make their way into the U.S. And what's happening right now at this point in time is most of the largest uh, asset managers in the U.S., which are also the largest asset managers in the world, have all filed for exchange-traded fund applications for Bitcoin-only ETF products. So this is BlackRock and Fidelity and uh, a number of others. There's like $30 trillion worth of assets under management that all have pending applications with the Securities Commission to have Bitcoin ETF products launched in the U.S. It's a huge deal because ETFs are just one vehicle to get exposure to Bitcoin without having to go through the process of learning how to how to own it, custody it. But if you're if you're owning an ETF product, the company that's offering the ETF itself, they do need to own the Bitcoin. So if if casual investors are buying this ETF, every dollar that flows in is then a dollar that needs to go into buying actual Bitcoin. And as Josh mentioned, because there is a provably finite amount of it, essentially, the more people that buy it, the higher the price goes. So I appreciate you. Uh, that's, that was a great uh, segue into bringing that up. How would you say, as you're talking to people about institutional investment, people who aren't into Bitcoin in your part of the world, are people aware of what's happening with the ETFs and these major asset managers? I feel like most of the world isn't. Like people know Bitcoin's a thing, but you you raised the the whole toilet paper debacle of 2020. And yes, uh, in Mississippi where I live, we didn't have nearly the same um, lockdown experience as a lot of the world. We opened up more quickly than a lot of places, but still experience the same toilet paper issue and it's it's perceived scarcity and probably there was some scarcity there but i know people were just afraid that it was going to get bought up so they went and bought it all up well bitcoin like you said is actually scarce and it's so hard to wrap your mind around that like for me not not for the listeners necessarily they may they may be far smarter than me but like to, to truly wrap your mind around what is that thing that you actually know of in this world that once you hit a certain amount there's just not any more of it. Like that's that's mind boggling. And so I, I just wanted to say that and I've, I've forgotten your, your initial th- thread of the question. So if you could remind me of that, but I, I wanted to make sure that I, that I brought, oh yeah, so it's, it's about like in this part of the world. So as I just mentioned, I live in Mississippi and Mississippi is uh, you know, a lot of great things about Mississippi is where a lot of family and friends are. And I would say that you know, Mississippi is a fairly conservative state in the United States. We're one of the quote unquote red states. A lot of people don't necessarily have the greatest trust in governments here. And I would say that the last few years suggest that that's not the worst stance to have. And a lot of a lot of like uh, traditional quote unquote ways of thinking and all of these things, I don't say as necessarily outsider, I, I share a lot of these uh, same types of perspectives. But there's something, um, I would say that, that there's, it's harder for people to trust, like you said, something that's digital you can't really hold, you can't feel. 
And I think that's where part of the rub is where I think that at least in parts of the South, there's this, uh, and, and as I say this, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for blowback here. But I think it can be tempting to kind of lean into that, like what we call down here, like good old boy mentality, where it's like, uh, you know, I'm not so sure about this new thing. Let's let's try the tried and true stuff first. And there's there's something to be said for the tried and true. But what Bitcoin does, in my opinion, is it brings these these uh, ideas of value of uh, proof of work. I don't know if you talked about that much, but like you actually have to have work input behind value. It brings these things that that people in my part of the world really value um, as well as fiscal responsibility. You can't just print dollars. You can't just print crypto. There's a finite amount of Bitcoin. All of these things align so well with the part of the world where I live and it, it, other places as well, but I'm just speaking particularly to uh, Mississippi and the, and the South. But for whatever reason, there's a reticence to kind of really dig in to what Bitcoin is. I think as soon as people truly begin to recognize what Bitcoin is, it's such a natural fit. But I also feel like there's this distrust of anything that's tech and digital at this point in time. Mm -hmm. A couple episodes we were talking with Dave Bradley about the idea that it's really only been in the last 100 years where people have not on their own been allowed to go through the sort of intellectual process of determining what money is. And it's like, it's like this organic part of our intelligence. Never before 100 years ago did we need help to be told what money is. And it's like this idea that just because we're not allowed to make our own money today doesn't mean that we turn that part of our brains off. We use our reasoning intuitively as because we need to trade as a way to build societies and survive. And so we, we've, through evolution, thousands of years of evolution, honed, it, honed an intelligence that lets us determine on our own how to exchange value and, and how to create things to exchange value. And so these things don't, it doesn't happen instantaneously. Like Bitcoin is a money, it's a monetary technology. But it, it also requires a broad understanding of that. And, and that is the part that takes time. And uh, it's, happening, it's happening right now. And it's happening all over the world at different places, uh, at different rates. I think it's really interesting. You mentioned the, the aspects of your kind of local community that might make it a more fertile place for some of these ideas. And there are lots of different ways even than that's kind of like materializing. So I, I was just before, uh, before we hopped on today watching a, an interview with a Mexican billionaire, Ricardo Salinas, and he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. And he's holding like 60% of his entire net worth in Bitcoin now because the, uh, his conviction is just growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And uh, Latin America is another example of a different part of the world, different culture, different values, and they're finding you know, there's a, a massive amount of interest in Bitcoin in Latin America, and it's because of the rampant government corruption and and money printing, which has basically destroyed the savings of just about every different country from Mexico to Brazil. Yeah. So I find the entire thing fascinating. It's like sometimes we we want to paint Bitcoin as like right, right as a, a right side of the spectrum, a conservative, but it's like everybody benefits from having a money that they that where they're 
time and and value isn't being stolen from them without their permission. Well, yeah. And so, and I think that's where it's like, it's not just how you communicate the, the value of Bitcoin. It's that Bitcoin is valuable on so many different levels. There's a way to talk about Bitcoin that makes it very attractive to someone who's more, we'll just use conservative and liberal um, in this context. But like, there are certain ways to talk about Bitcoin in a way that's very attractive to conservative people just because of what Bitcoin is. You don't have to change Bitcoin to make it attractive to someone who's conservative. Same thing with someone who's liberal. Like there are so, there are so many aspects of Bitcoin that are attractive to someone who's more liberal. So it's like, it, it's because it is uh, first principles value storage. And, and when, when, when people can retain their value, when the, the, you know, basically retain the take what they work for and be rewarded for that and take those rewards and know that those will be protected. That's good for all people. Like it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal or, you know, progressive or what, however you want to say it. It's like a, a good money is good for all people. And I think there are ways that there, there are things that make it very attractive to someone who lives in Mississippi, kind of the average Mississippian. And you may talk about it differently with the average Mississippian than you would with the average Californian. But both, I think Bitcoin can be, can be attractive to both. Now, there's a couple of things with like the energy usage and uh, some Bitcoin um, FUD, I guess we'll call it, that, that maybe has a few more uh, stumbling blocks in front of more uh, progressive people. But there's great things about Bitcoin, no matter who you are. Yeah, great points. I say this all the time. Bitcoin is apolitical. Fair money is good for everyone. So yeah, uh, I love it. And, and you and I converge on this. We, we are in agreement that this is the, the concept of fair money. And you mentioned, uh, I'm not going to get your words exactly right, but it was about storing your efforts. Bitcoin and compensation. Like Bitcoin has a number of different potential game-changing applications for business. And so I love what you're doing. I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about you sort of your, your six ways Bitcoin can benefit a business. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so just a little bit of background. And you, you had mentioned that business Bitcoinization, uh, first of all, it's a podcast. Um, second of all, uh, you mentioned it's a business. I would say it's a, a burgeoning business. It's certainly not the, the primary way that I make money at this point in time, but there are some things that I'm trying to develop um, the more I'm in Bitcoin, the more I want to help to develop this arena and help people benefit from Bitcoin. I know that's kind of what you're looking to do as well. So I, I, what happened was 2021 came to realize how valuable Bitcoin was and wanted to contribute. I'd been podcasting for a couple of years. And you know there are a lot of people that have a lot of great podcasts in Bitcoin. And some would say that there are too many podcasts Recently, Corey Clipston from Swan, I heard him say that we actually do need more because there are different ways to communicate the value of Bitcoin to different people. I didn't want to just be another random podcast. Like I, I wanted to have a clear purpose for the podcast. And so I started looking around saying, what's not being addressed here? And at the time, no one was talking about how business owners can be using Bitcoin in their businesses to, you know, to grow their businesses. So that's why I started the podcast. And then from there, I started thinking, okay, how can I provide some quick, easy thing that a business owner can download and kind of catch themselves up to what Bitcoin is? And so I you know, created this, this 27-page guide that has six different ways any business can use Bitcoin because there are some niche, very valuable ways that certain businesses can use Bitcoin, but they're not particularly relevant 
to all businesses. I just wanted to figure out what is that thing that any business owner could download and potentially use you know, one to six of these strategies. Then in the guide that I created, there's also some key Bitcoin terms that you know, will help to maybe demystify, uh, demystify some of Bitcoin because really Bitcoin is not, the basic principles of Bitcoin are not complex. Sometimes going into the theory behind the math or whatever else gets complex, but Bitcoin is not that difficult to understand especially with a few key concepts. So that's that's the whole guide that I created. The six ways, I don't know if maybe I can just list them off and then if you wanted to delve into each one, we could, or if there are a couple in particular you want to talk about, we can. But I'll just list them off right here. The first is earn it. The next is buy it. The third is mine it. The fourth is lend it. Fifth is give it. And the sixth is to sell it. And... Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's have a have a little uh, run in depth on their own. I think, you know, you might have had anyone who's listening to that um, one or two of those might have been an eyebrow raiser. There are a lot of things that you can do with Bitcoin that outsiders would would really be probably surprised to know that you can. So let's start. Let's start at the top and and earning Bitcoin. You know, this is this is obviously my pet topic. I think it's really important for businesses to think about how earning better money or offering your understanding why offering your employees better money at work could be a potential game changer for the kinds of productivity that you get, your ability to retain staff and create loyalty. But you first, to to even get there, you need to understand why you would want to do that. And it, so in your experience, talking to employers or you know, entrepreneurs with, with staff about the idea of Bitcoin compensation how do those conversations go yeah well so that's that's almost like one of the most specialized uh, not not the one of the most i, w- I would say it's, it's kind of like the the second half as far as how how specialized it is because you already have to have a business owner who's uh generally speaking you need a, a business owner who likes bitcoin already before they want to think about having enough to where they can give it away and so if you have uh, you know i've interviewed a few people in the podcast that either help with this including yourself by the way uh, just uh, within the last uh, month or so, but talk with business owners about how they've used this as a tool. And at least one person has told me that someone, they actually got someone to apply for the job specifically because the job offer included, hey, there's a Bitcoin bonus here. And that that indicated to the person applying for the job that this organization was forward thinking that they were not just kind of doing the normal thing. They were thinking outside the box. And I think that it's a great signal to potential employees that the business is thinking about the future and is willing to be creative and and maybe even go against the grain a little bit. Like, I don't think in the future, giving Bitcoin as part or all of an employee's compensation will be going against the grain. But right now, it's is not the norm, and so if you if if you want to signal to uh, prospective employees or current employees that you're willing to do what you need to do, that you're willing to be creative when you need to be creative, that you're willing to think outside the box and kind of reach that next level, giving someone Bitcoin is a great signal. How about uh, businesses as they start thinking about potentially taking Bitcoin as payment from their customers? What is, what is the, this is something that I'm sure, and this is, 
you know, like salaries, this is something that businesses, more and more businesses are, are, are starting to do or they're thinking about it. And what, what is that thought process or what are the kinds of questions you get about that? I mean, it's probably the, the most direct line into a business is starting to first think about how it might actually become a part of their revenue. For sure. And so that's why the, the first part, I title it earn it because, you know, the common language might be to accept Bitcoin, which is fine. But I think when you realize that Bitcoin is a finite asset, you're getting a, a piece of the, the pie, so to speak, that there's not going to be more of. So you, you really have to convince your customers that what you're providing them as a product or a service is worth them giving up some of that finite value. And so I, I just think it changes how you begin to think about it. The, the clearest thing for business owners is that if you accept Bitcoin, you can basically entirely get rid of credit card payments, not, you know, as far as like the fees. So if, if, if people are paying in Bitcoin, then you can entirely get rid of the fees or essentially entirely. There's, there's a few things, yeah, small lightning network fees. But even if you absolutely hated Bitcoin and you only wanted to see US dollars or Canadian dollars or whatever your fiat currency is, you can use certain companies to, for, for 1%, switch it from Bitcoin to dollars instantaneously. So you never have to worry about the... Um, accounting for for bitcoin or anything like that you can just uh, accept it and instead of you know being charged two or three percent you charge one percent and so it's one of those things that doesn't entirely change your business but if you're if your business is kind of running on pretty low margins already adding an additional uh one or two percent three percent can actually be really beneficial to your business plus it just helps you to operate more efficiently. I mean, depending on what type of business you are, this may or may not be relevant, but if you're using Bitcoin, there's no chargebacks. And so hopefully you're operating a business where customers don't where customers are satisfied with what they're getting and they're not going to be claiming chargebacks all the time. But there's always those people that take advantage of businesses and, you know, request a chargeback and it it just creates it, it slows things down. Bitcoin is final settlement. So whenever they give you the Bitcoin, yeah, you have the Bitcoin. You can decide to give it back or, you know, if they, if they say, hey, this is poor service, this is what happened, for sure. I mean, be a good business owner. Give them their money back. But there's, there's going to be no uh, working with the credit card companies, claiming chargebacks, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's a more efficient system that also saves you money. The question is, are you willing to do a little bit of setup in order to get those benefits in the long run. There's two points I, w- I want to touch on what you said there. I, the first one I think is the most common objection or concern when I hear business owners thinking about the idea is that the volatility of the Bitcoin exchange rate with fiat money could pose a challenge depending on, you know, like if all of a sudden, and it's not going to happen, but if all of a sudden 100% of your customers wanted to pay in Bitcoin tomorrow, you still have to sort of pay your operating expenses denominated in whatever currency you're you're working in so what do you say to business owners that are that are worried about the the bitcoin price fluctuation in in fiat currency yeah i mean that's just that's just part of it right now um obviously like like i said a second ago you can get it immediately changed into the 
the fiat currency of your choice. So you, you don't have to worry about that. Second of all, if everyone started paying in Bitcoin all of a sudden, it's probably an indicator that everyone wants Bitcoin. And so that's, it's probably a good thing that they're paying in Bitcoin. Like, like the only reason everyone's going to start using Bitcoin is if that becomes the money overnight for some reason, in which case you want more Bitcoin. But yeah, I, I get it. It's like, let, let's say that you start accepting Bitcoin in your community of Bitcoiners, and they love the fact that you're accepting Bitcoin. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, if you end up getting, you know, 20 or 30% of your business from those Bitcoiners, then depending on how profitable your business is, uh, you might end up running into some issues. That's, that's a very niche case. And I would just say that um, in that case, you'd probably want to get some immediately transferred over to dollars. But it's just such a unique situation. I can hardly imagine it happening right now because I know people that, you know, they'll, they'll discount their, their stuff if you pay in Bitcoin. Even then, they're not getting more than a few percentage points of sales in Bitcoin. So the way I, I look at it is it's a whole lot better to start uh, collecting some, saving it for the long term. And then, yeah, I think over time, you'll, you'll realize that Bitcoin is preserving your purchasing power a lot better than the dollars. Now, if I could kind of switch real quick to the, the lending side, just recently, I had a, an interview uh, on my podcast with a guy named John Ruth. And he actually kind of expanded my thinking when it comes to Bitcoin on your balance sheet. Because previously, previously, I was just thinking, hey, like, hold it there because if you if you have a profitable company and you have if you have, you have some ability to hold bitcoin for the long term that's great but he also said that bitcoin and it, he 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 put two things together that I already knew the second thing that he kind of brought to the table was that since bitcoin is pristine collateral for a loan you can immediately get access to fiat currency if you need to through lending out your bitcoin and I had, not, I had not thought of that before, but basically, you know, you, you have to go through the bank if you want some sort of, of, of bank loan, and then you have to put a collateral. And um, the, the problem with a lot of collateral, frequently real estate or something like that, is that it's not super liquid. It can be hard to sell. You know, there's not necessarily the strongest market for it at all times. Uh, with Bitcoin, people can sell it immediately, essentially. And there's always, the, the market's always open for Bitcoin. And there's always another buyer on the other side. But if because of that, if you get a loan using Bitcoin as collateral, then as long as you have the Bitcoin, you're good to go. And so it's, it becomes a valuable tool. If someone has enough Bitcoin on their balance sheet, they can go ahead and get dollars real quick and not have to worry about going through banks or anything like that. So it's easy access to credit if you need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I 100% believe every business will use Bitcoin as a uh, balance sheet asset in, in the future. And th it's another one. Um, it's hard to imagine how something that's just numbers on a page can be collateral. And this is part of what requires a little bit of work and study to, to understand. To get back to Michael Saylor, MicroStrategies, uh, which he is, is, Mike, is his company, uh, MicroStrategies owns about 150,000 Bitcoin on their balance sheet. It's about $4.5 billion today give or take. And sailors on the record saying they will never sell at any price. And it's because of this pristine collateral. So basically, when you have an idea of this, this digital thing, we can't touch it, but it is provably finite. And that's, that's already really important today. But because of the way our monetary system works with the planned 
depreciation, ongoing depreciation of money, scarcity is a, is pretty likely to become more important and more and more important. And so businesses that are able to start accumulating this as, a, as an asset on your balance sheet, it's like, it would be like your business being able to own not just, um, you know, a, 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 a second property somewhere in your locality. It would be like owning beachfront property in Miami and, and everybody owning beachfront property in Miami. Like this is, it's so rare and, and, and it, it's such a pristine asset that if you can borrow against it and it appreciates in price over time, you would just, more people are going to have this idea and, and people are just going to stop selling altogether. Yep. And there's some crazy price predictions out there that are based on not on the fact that, you know, well, I guess I guess the the price predictions are based on the fact that there's not going to be a lot of Bitcoin on the market. So let's say there's 21 million Bitcoin, but if there's only a few million out there available or a few thousand out there available because everyone's locked up their Bitcoin, then that small amount of Bitcoin that's actually on exchanges. And mind you, we're talking probably decades out. But that small amount of Bitcoin that's being created every day is what the world's going to be, quote unquote, fighting over. And I don't like the term fighting over, but you know, they're they're going to be bidding for that small amount of Bitcoin that's actually on exchanges. So it's it's just interesting to think about. Granted, you have to be bullish on Bitcoin to be having these conversations. And maybe not everyone listening to this podcast is that bullish. But those are the conversations some people are having. And that leads to some crazy price predictions for the future. So it's one of those things that it always comes back to like even if you don't think it's that great, having a little bit of Bitcoin makes sense as just kind of a, a hedge. Yeah, uh, some of these things could could take a long time to play out, or they may not. Uh, you know, there's also a lot of people who feel like the adoption of ideas is nonlinear, and it and it these things can sort of collect a certain amount of inertia, where uh, eventually people have to part- participate in technology. You know, examples of this are, are things like smartphones. I uh, I'm of the age I, I know when I, I was a, in my 20s, I'm just old enough that I was like, I never wanted a cell phone and then reluctantly started analog texting with my flip phone. And, and I was a I was a hardcore flip phoner and never wanted a smartphone. And um, smartphones just carried everybody away. And, you know, there's some people that, that don't use them today, but it's uh, it's definitely not the norm. And uh, technology has a way of doing this. And it's like I, I love telling this story. This is like. 2004, I was living in China and I was, uh, I had a friend who was managing a Nokia plant in China. And he was, we were, we were at a bar one night when Apple announced the iPhone one. And he's asking me kind of about this, like, you know, do you think this touchscreen features, like, is any of this going to be something that catches people's attention? And I remember thinking, and I said to him like, no, I, I can't see I can't see why, you know, like I, I have my, uh, I have my, uh, my MP3 player. I had other devices to do these other things and it was hard for me to see why you would want. And this is part of what's going on with Bitcoin, right? People ha- already have money and they already have credit cards. Uh, so some of these things, I'm sure for business owners that are listening now, it, it sounds, it sounds crazy. It sounds like something you'll never do, but in the history of technology, there are a lot of things that people thought they would never do. And we just kind of end up doing it when everyone else does. Yeah. Well, and for people listening to this show, like my guess is that you're at least somewhat interested in the possibility of Bitcoin, especially if you're listening towards the end of this episode. If you've made it all the way here, you have some level of interest. And it's it's one of those things where we talked about this. Uh, you brought this up when I interviewed you for my podcast. But it's like Sailor is is 
operating this one-of-one strategy. No other business is going to be able to do what MicroStrategy is doing. And it will either be a laughing stock in the future or it will be the greatest business move of all time. And you mentioned that, like, once again, no one else can really do this strategy. It's, it's been done. Cat's out of the bag. But one thing I will say to business owners who are listening to this right now is that you have the opportunity to be the, the first adopter in your community or the first restaurant that's accepting it or the first whatever. And just get started. Like if you think it's, if you think there's any there there, then looking into it a little bit deeper to see how it can benefit your business is certainly worth doing. Because if there is there there, then it could be a huge boon for your business in the future. And maybe that future is a lot closer than you'd think. Yeah, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. And, you know, and to add to that, like, I think, you know, if you're a business owner listening to this, you, you know, you don't need to own 150,000 Bitcoin on your balance sheet, one Bitcoin. You know, if, if Bitcoin continues that, along, it's... That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, one Bitcoin will be a lot of Bitcoin when there's only 20 million, 1 million Bitcoin and there's 8 billion people in the world. And who knows how many businesses and pension funds and endowments and civic governments and state governments and on and on and on. So this this concept just of pristine collateral applies to so many different types of corporate entities beyond just individuals trying to earn and protect their own personal wealth. So uh, scarcity is something that is programmed to become more important because our money is programmed to continually become less and less valuable in the future. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Maybe let's just touch on one more of your uh, one more of your uh, of your sixth. Yeah, so I'm looking here, and uh, you know, we've essentially talked about we've talked about earn it. We kind of so the way I set it up is give it is sort of from the business owner's perspective, and so that's that's kind of how I see block rewards is the kind of the give it as the business owner you're giving it uh, as the as the employee you're earning it, but uh, giving it is super important. We've touched on lending it and, and using Bitcoin as collateral. So, you know, obviously there are ways to buy it. Uh, talk with Scott about that if you want to. He'll have, you know, the best, uh, the best people to reach out to, especially if you're in Canada. The last two, and we just touch on these briefly because there's, there's not too much to them, is to mine Bitcoin and to sell it. And both of these sound like they're, they're way more in-depth than the previous ones. And they really aren't because... Um, first of all, there's some super cool things you can do with actual like bringing Bitcoin miners, which are basically um, really impressive computers created just for mining Bitcoin. Uh, they create a lot of heat. So if you're in a cold place and you have a way to, you know, quiet them down, you can use those to actually heat your business. I know of, um, I've, I've interviewed someone that helps businesses to do this. But assuming you don't want to worry about all that, which most people don't because they're running their own business and they have things they're worried about then I would recommend using like a hosted miner. You can actually, as a business, have uh, Bitcoin miners that are operating somewhere else. And as soon as they are mining that Bitcoin, it's sent to your Bitcoin wallet and uh, or signing device. I don't know what terminology is the best to use for this podcast. Basically, the Bitcoin is sent to you and you don't have to worry about any of the technical details. So there's some great companies out there doing this. Um, certainly do your due del- diligence, but that's one possibility. The last one is to sell it. And this sounds like the the most intimidating one, but there's one company in particular that I really like for this uh, called Azteco. And basically, you can just have a little, a little um, 
system and people can pay with a card or with cash and it'll print a little QR code out. You just hold your phone up to the QR code and the Bitcoin is right there. Um, regardless, you know, maybe you have a Bitcoin ATM or something like that. Um, but I think that this is super important to get Bitcoin into the hands of your customers. So let's say that you're offering a 5% discount just to kind of incentivize people to pay in Bitcoin. Well, if they don't have Bitcoin, they're not going to do that. But if you have a Bitcoin ATM or if you have an Azteco voucher system, something like that, then all of a sudden you can not only um, give them the Bitcoin and maybe make a small percentage when they buy that Bitcoin, but they can then have Bitcoin that they can use to purchase things from you in the future. So that's something worth considering. These are a little more niche, the mining it and the selling it, but they're both viable um, tools, strategies for you, for you to use in your business. That's great. I think, you know, and, and like any of these, they're all sort of a gateway probably to doing more. And the, the first step uh-huh. I, uh, to integrating this in any form or fashion your business is just starting probably with just one thing. And uh, probably not, none of them are uh, none of them are the right or wrong answer. But uh, I love what you said about be the first blank in your area because yeah, um, yeah, it, there is a. I think a lot of people also who aren't into Bitcoin would be surprised how many people are. So in our local area, our Bitcoin meetup is is new but small and growing. Uh, but but we're we're a group that meets regularly, and and we we look for venues that want to support Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, they, th- this is something that's happening all over the world right now. And Bitcoin meetups are, are growing and it, it's a great way to connect to a new new potential customers. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I'll say is like, if you're listening to this, first of all, there's likely a Bitcoin meetup near you. Of course, if you're in a super rural area, if you're in a super rural area, then you may not find someone that, uh, you know, you may not find a Bitcoin meetup within, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. But if you're in a city, you're probably going to be able to find a Bitcoin meetup close to you. Great people. Like I've enjoyed getting to know the people locally. We've had people from out of town visiting friends or visiting family who have come to the meetup. And it's just really neat to get to know other Bitcoiners who are usually pretty interesting people. But um, you know, finding finding one, getting involved just for the sake of having, you know, being around other Bitcoiners, learning together is great. But then, yeah, once again, like Scott said, if you have a business, then let them know because there are uh, there are a lot of people who are excited to go and be connected with a Bitcoiner who owns a business. There's like this shared connection, shared connection, shared ethos just from like, you know, being Bitcoiners, but they're going to buy stuff from you. Like whether it's dollars or whether it's Bitcoin, they're going to be buying from you. They're going to be excited about it. They're probably going to be telling their friends about it. So it's really a great business move. And once again, if you can be the first, all the better. If not, do what's good for your business. And I think that Bitcoin there's, there's a great case to be made for Bitcoin being a great part, uh, a great aspect to add to your business. I want to kind of just highlight your podcast for anybody who's listening and wants to check it out. Yeah, you've cranked out a ton of episodes. Where, where, where can listeners find you? Yeah, so basically any uh, podcast platform, I'll be there. Fountain, if you're not listening to any of these podcasts, uh, any podcast on Fountain yet, it's a great place to go because they actually sometimes will pay you a little bit of Bitcoin to listen, but you can also, you know, send uh, support shows that you like, such as, you know, Block Reward on on Fountain. So if you, if you like something from today, you know, send a boost to, to Scott and let him know. But if you want to just go to a website, uh, a couple places you can go. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you just the easiest one is bizbit.com. 
bizbit.blog, bizbit.blog. And that's going to be where you can find some the actual blog. You can find the link to the podcast episodes there. Um, you'll have to listen on a, a browser, of course. That's where you can also find the free uh, guide that I talked about, the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. has all these ways um, that you can kind of get Bitcoin started in your business, as well as some great people to reach out to to start that conversation. Of course, if you're looking to give your employees Bitcoin, reach out to Scott. Right on. Maybe we'll wrap there. Josh, it's been a real pleasure. I uh, enjoy your, uh, sure enjoy your ideas and uh, have been listening to some of your episodes myself and, and enjoying them a lot. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Scott. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Block Reward. We're trying to do something different here, creating accessible conversations meant for people who aren't obsessed with Bitcoin. If you found this episode informative and engaging, hit that subscribe button to make sure you stay updated with future episodes. Your feedback matters. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to share your reviews and help us with our goal of creating Bitcoin content that is simple and easy to understand. Bitcoin has an important role to play in the future of finance. It will change the way we save, spend, and invest. Discover why Bitcoin offers a game-changing opportunity for forward-thinking employers by visiting blockrewards.ca. BlockRewards' mission is helping Canadian employers implement strategies for integrating Bitcoin into compensation and benefits. Supercharge your recruitment and retention strategies and help your team members plan for the rising cost of living by rewarding their work with the hardest money ever invented. Special thanks to our top sponsor, Paramount Employee Benefits Consulting, Canada's only Bitcoin Forward Benefits and Pension Advisory. For more information, find them at paramountbenefits.ca. Big shout out to Podigy, our production team that makes all this possible, and BMX Escape for producing our music. Bitcoin is an expansive and dense topic many people walk away from early. To Bitcoin enthusiasts looking for that podcast they can share with friends, family, and colleagues, one they'll actually listen to, we hope that is us. The content of these conversations is meant to be provided for information purposes only. Nothing here is investment advice. Bitcoin is a big topic. Be sure to do your own research before making any personal financial decisions. Thanks for listening. 